We begin with a really fundamental question about the status of something that's prohibited by a neder. Rava asks Rav Nachman, is there a law of Me'ilah regarding a kunam, kunam being a nickname for korban? So if I say this bread is prohibited to me as a korban, that's the language of a uh, of a, a neder. So when I say like a korban, well, does that mean really like a korban, really like something hekdesh? If there's something that belongs to the Beit Hamikdash, well, whether it's an actual animal that's going to be a korban or anything, any item that belongs to the Beit Hamikdash or that someone donates and is now the property of the Beit Hamikdash, uh, there is a law of merilah. That means if someone takes that for themselves, uses it for their own personal benefit, then that's a serious violation. Me'ila means you have to pay what you benefited plus a fifth and bring a korban. And so that's the question. When I say this loaf is prohibited to me like a korban, am I just saying it's I'm making a prohibition? I'm not allowed to use it. I'm just comparing it to a korban, just like a korban is prohibited. This is also prohibited, but not in the same category. It's just a prohibition. Uh, or is it actually creating a prohibition that is similar enough to a korban and hekdesh that if I violate it, I would violate the law of me'ilah and have to bring a korban and pay an extra fifth? That's the question. Amar le'etini tuha, Rav Nachman answers, we have an answer from the Mishnah that we learned previously. Makom shenotlin aleha sachar tipol hana'a la hekdesh. In our Mishnah, we mentioned the case where, let's say we are prohibited to each other, to make it easy, right? You cannot have benefit from me, I can have benefit from you. I found your wallet in the street. The Mishnah said, I am permitted to return it to you because it's already yours. And if we, are, if we live in a place where it is customary that the owner of the object pays compensation for the lost time and effort of the one who found it, in that case, um, well, you can't give, the owner cannot give that to the money to the finder because the finder cannot have any benefit from it. Or even if there's no validity, he rejects it and says, no, I don't want the payment, right? Um, so it's okay. Um, in that case, the Mishnah said that the owner cannot keep the money because the owner is prohibited by a vow from benefiting from the finder. And if he keeps that compensation for himself, then he is having benefit. He has benefit from the finder. And therefore, since he cannot keep it, what does he do with it? He gives it to Hekdesh. Now, it's interesting it gives it to Hekdesh. Just because he can't benefit from it doesn't mean that's necessarily Hekdesh. There is another possibility and other other cases where you can't benefit from something. Uh, the halacha will say, throw it into the Dead Sea, right? Just get rid of it, destroy it. But here we see that it, we say it belongs to Hekdesh. And so Rahman says, I'm going to learn from this that that money is like Hekdesh uh, because I said it's prohibited to me as a vow. And now you have that money that you were going to give to me, but I refused it. That money is prohibited to the to you, to the owner of the item that was returned, prohibited as a vow. And the Mishnah equates that prohibited item with this vow to Hekdesh. And therefore, just like Hekdesh, uh, something that's consecrated, 
um, if someone violated it, that that would be a law of me'ilah. So too, any kunam, anything that you make a vow that is like a kunam, like a korban, also will be me'ilah. Okay, pretty good and interesting proof. Um, uh, however, next line we say, actually, this may be a machloket between two tanaim, right? Uh, we're not, we're accepting the proof from our Mishnah, according to which a neder of a korban, uh, that something is like a korban, yes, it would be me'ilah, but that may only be one opinion. And there's another tenetic opinion that would disagree. Ketana'e, we're going to see both of them in this paraita. Kunam kikar zohekdesh v'achala ben hu ben o ben chavero ma'al. Lefichach yesh pidyon. All this is going to be the opinion of Rabbi Meir as opposed to Chachamim. Rabbi Meir says uh, that if a person comes and says, this loaf is a korban, um, is, is, this is, is kunam, is like korban, hekdesh, uh, and it's, it's prohibited to everyone, like Hikdesh. If he eats it, or if anyone else eats it, they are they are liable to me'ilah. Um, so even though he made it just as a vow that it's a korban, it's prohibited, like he's not actually making Hikdesh, he just says like Hikdesh, nevertheless, it is prohibited. Now that has that has a leniency also that if something actually even it actually is hekdesh you can redeem it for money and the uh, consecration uh, holiness transfers from the item to the money right like a person I could say I am going to consecrate myself to the Bet HaMikdash. It doesn't mean I have to deliver myself to the Bet HaMikdash. They don't need me. Um, but rather, I would pay my the amount that I'm worth to the Bet HaMikdash. And so, um, yes, it is fully like Ekdesh, and there would be like Meila, liable to Meila, and there would be Pijon. Kikar zo alay lehekdesh. However, even according to the Bimeir, if someone makes a more limited prohibition and says this loaf is prohibited to me like Hekdesh as a Kurban, and I eat it, then I would I would violate me'ilah. But there's no I made no prohibition against anybody else. I only said it's permitted to me. So therefore, anyone else is permitted to eat it. So in this case, even though if I eat it, I would be liable to me'ilah and have to pay the extra fifth and bring korban. Because it's not universally prohibited, Therefore, it's not fully like Hikdesh. Because it's not fully like, like Hikdesh, it doesn't have the leniency that I could redeem it for money. So in this case, there would be no possibility of redemption. So that's just an interesting halakha, according to the Bimeir. If I make something prohibited to everyone like Hikdesh, then it also has the benefit that I can redeem it like Hikdesh. But if I make it only prohibited to myself like Hikdesh, then uh, while, yeah, the, the prohibition is more limited and you can eat it, but I can do not, would not have the benefit of redemption. Anyway, according to the Bimeir, we see that the prohibition is, um, does uh, trigger a me'ila uh, transgression. Whereas Chachamim Omerim Ben Kach or Ben Kach Lo Maal Lefisha En Me'ila Bekunam Chachamim Say Doesn't Matter Whether I Make It Prohibited to Everyone or Just to Myself There Is No Me'ila Because Kunam That Language or Any Language Comparing Saying This Is Prohibited Like a Korban Like a Kunam um, All These Things That They Make It Prohibited But It's A It's A Standalone Neder Prohibition. And and it would not uh, transgress me'ilah. And so you see here, there is, a, in fact, the machloket, our Mishnah, uh, if you accept this proof, would be the opinion of Rimeir, but Chachamim would disagree. Okay, a related note, uh, uh, statement. Amar le'erav acha v'erav avya le'erav asheh. Kikari alecha untana lo bematana mi ma'al. If I say, my uh, loaf of bread 
is prohibited to you as a kunam. Okay, so now it's going to be prohibited to you. But now I give it to you as a gift. And maybe I tell you, maybe I don't tell you um, that I just made it, made it prohibited to you. And then you accept the gift. Who is liable to me'ilah? Is it me because I gave it to you? Or is it you because you received it? So that's the question. If you're going to say that it's uh, that the one giving the gift is the one that commits me'ilah, that can't be because he has no prohibition upon himself. I just said this loaf, I own the loaf. I said this loaf is prohibited to you. I have no prohibition against the loaf. I could eat it. I could do whatever I want with it. So how can I violate me'ilah if I have no prohibition upon myself? Therefore, it can't be that I violate but rather, what? Limal mekabel. So does that mean that you violate? You're the receiver. I came. I made this. I made this loaf a, a, a korban to you. Then I give it to you, and you received it. Well, can that be? The receiver can say, "Wait a second. I only wanted to accept something permitted." I would never have accepted it if I knew it was prohibited, right? Let's say I don't tell you. If I do tell you, presumably you're not going to take it. But even if I don't tell you, right, afterwards you'll see, and I say, oh, oh, that, by the way, I made, a, I made a prohibition. So then you'll say, wait, when I accepted it, I accepted it assuming it was permitted. I would never have accepted it knowing it was prohibited. So it's like a, it's like a, a mekah ta'ut. It's like a false uh, accepting something. It's like a transaction under false pretenses. And therefore, I never actually did accept it. And it's not mine. And therefore, I would not be liable. So that all that is the question of Ravacha that he asked Ravashe, which one should it be? Ravashe answered, Mekabel Ma'al Lichesheyosi. He says, You're right, the giver is not going to transgress because he has no prohibition. And even the receiver will not transgress the second he takes it because he he is not accepting ownership over it if uh um if he would not have accepted ownership if he knew it was prohibited. But, which means when he uses it, when he eats it or does something with it, then he will violate Me'ilah. Because that's the general rule with Me'ilah. Anyone who takes money that belongs to Hekdesh and uses it, spends it in any way, even though he's thinking that it's Chulin, he still violates Me'ilah. In other words, Me'ilah is, is transgressed even when you do so unwittingly, right? I thought, I didn't realize I have a, some money in, in the drawer and I thought it was regular Chulin money and I spent it. And then, right, I come home and my friend tells me, oh, that draw, that was a Kodesh money. Um, so even though I didn't realize, nevertheless, that's Me'ilah. In fact, you only bring the Korban if you do it Bishogeg. And so, um, uh, and, and that can, once I eat the loaf, I can't say, uh, oh, if I had known it was prohibited, I wouldn't have eaten it, right? You can do that for a trans transaction to say, I would not have, accept not have accepted it. But once it's used, once it's eaten, that's it. Then me'ilah is uh, triggered, is transgressed. And so that is, that's Rav Asher's answer. All right, and that brings us to the next Mishnah. This Mishnah is continuing a list from the previous Mishnah. Uh, what items are permitted even if there's a vow against benefit uh, from, uh, to, from one another. So uh, in this example, let's say um, I say, I'm not going to give you any, you cannot have any benefit from me. Okay, so I can't, I can't do you any, I can't give you a gift. I can't do, do you any favors. 
But here's some more exceptions. I can return a lost item to you, as we saw last time. I can give machasita shekel on your behalf. And here's more items. I can go ahead and separate tiruman maser from your produce with your knowledge. Um, if, let's say, we're neighbors and you're away, and you say, oh, I'm not around, but I really want to separate tiruman and maser, on my produce uh, so that it'll be all ready when I get back. Maybe you're going to get back and won't have time before Shabbat to do it. And so you call me and say, can you go to my field and my granary and separate to the mama said for me? And I'll say, listen, I have, I, I made a vow that I cannot, that you cannot have any benefit from me. Nevertheless, it's permitted because I'm not giving you anything. I'm not giving you any money or any monetary benefit, but rather I'm doing a mitzvah. I'm helping you doing, do, do a mitzvah. Um, and so therefore it's permitted, right? This, uh, this um, uh, uh, grain that I separate will go to the Levim, will go to the Kohanim, and that's permitted. And let's say I am a Kohen, and uh, as a Kohen, um, why don't we get into a fight and say, I say, um, you cannot have any benefit from me. And now you come to the Beit HaMikdash one day because you're a Zav. And uh, a Zav, after he uh, becomes pure and he waits his days of impurity, he brings some birds or a Zava, same thing, or a Yoledet, a woman who gives birth after, um, after a certain amount of time. She brings also her, uh, her sacrifices and other chataot and ashamot that people bring. And so you come and say, hey, Mr. Cohen, can you offer these birds on my behalf? And uh, even though, and it is permitted, even though I said, I'm not going to give you any benefit, you cannot have any benefit from me, this is permitted. And the Gemara will explain that the Kohen is uh, working for the Bet HaMikdash. He's working for Shamayim. He's not working for you. He's not doing you a favor. He's doing his job. Uh, similar to, uh, you know, if you uh, got into a fight with a government clerk and uh, said, the clerk says, I'm not going give to give you any benefit. But if you go to that office, that government office, and you know, give him a form, he has to process. He still has to do it because he works for the government. That's his job. And so he's not doing it to, for you as a favor. Um, he's doing it because he's employed to do so. So these are all permitted. And the last one, If I'm a teacher and I say, I'm not going to have give you any benefit, right? You're not allowed to have any benefit from me. Uh, but then you want to, you come to my class, right? Uh, you listen to my shiur. Um, or you come and ask me if I could uh, uh, teach you something, some Torah, um, that's permitted. Um, whether it be Midrash, that means exposition of Pesukim, explanation of Pesukim from Tanakh, Halachot, like Mishnayot, um, uh, Agadot, which would be you know, stories and moral teachings, um, so all these different genres, all that's permitted. The basic fundamental law is that the Torah is an inheritance for all Jews. It's free. Um, that's one of the reasons it was given in Har Sinai, in, in, the, in the desert at Har Sinai, not in anyone's land, because just like everything in the desert is free, for anyone to come and take, so too Torah has to be free. For this reason, one is not allowed to charge money for to, to be a teacher. Um, how do teachers get paid? Okay, they have to get paid in other ways for not doing other things, for babysitting and maybe for grading um, tests and things like that. But actual teaching is not something that you can be compensated for. It has to be free. This is a mitzvah.
And therefore, even though I say, I will, you cannot have any benefit from me, I'm allowed to teach you. However, this does not apply to Tanakh teaching, that would not be allowed. The reason here, the Gemara will get into this further, is because um, for teaching Tanakh, one is allowed to charge money, and therefore, since that's something that one can be compensated for, that is considered a um, a full monetary benefit. So if I made a vow that I cannot teach, uh, that I cannot benefit, um, give you any benefit, um, then no, I cannot teach you Tanakh, but I can teach you these other subjects of Torah Shabbal Peh. However, even in the case of Mikra, if I make a vow that you cannot have any benefit from me, I can't teach you Tanakh, but I am, am allowed to teach your children Tanakh, right? Because they're not included in my prohibition, and so I can teach them. It's very significant here that it mentions both sons and daughters um, uh, and, uh, in, in, the, in this category of studying Tanakh, and it is based on this that Hanambam makes it distinction between Torah Shabbat and Torah Shabbat and says that if uh, someone, if a father wants to teach his daughters uh, Tanakh, that is permitted. Um, and so that's why in most places um, uh, girls do learn Tanakh pretty much in all places, uh, everywhere. Uh, uh, girls learn Tanakh, Torah Shebichtav, even though for Torah Shabbat that's a subject of more controversy. Okay, now we have a question. Going back to the Mishnah regarding if the Kohen says, you cannot have any benefit from me, and but yet a, per, a person can come and uh, bring his korbanot, uh, his birds, if he's a sav, uh, to, the, to the Kohen. So because we mentioned that, that's going to be an answer, used as an answer to this question. The Kohanim, are they our messengers? When I come bring something to a Kohen and say, hey, can you offer this on my behalf? Is he acting as my messenger? Or is he, is he a messenger of heaven? He's commanded by the Torah. Uh, this is your Kohen, this is your job. And so you're doing the messenger, messengership from heaven. What would be a practical difference? It would be some if a Kohen is, uh, has a vow against him that he cannot benefit other people or this person in particular. If you say the Kohen is our messenger and I made a vow that uh, um, this Kohen, I uh, will not get any benefit from this Kohen, well then this would be a benefit because he's my messenger and it would be prohibited. But if you say that the Kohen is a messenger of heaven, then even though um, I, there's a vow that he cannot give any benefit to me, Nevertheless, I can give him my my uh, my uh, korban and say, "Can you do this for me?" Because he's not doing me a favor; he's doing his job that he's uh, called upon by the Torah to do. My so, what's the answer? Tashema ditnan makriv alav kinezavin. Oh, we have an answer from our Mishnah. Our Mishnah says it's permitted, even though there's a vow and he cannot benefit me. I can still bring if I'm a zav. I can still bring him my birds. To make a korban, there you go. Uh, if you would say he's my messenger, he's giving me benefit, it wouldn't be allowed. Therefore, it must be, it is in fact, uh, Okay, but then we ask, If so, then why doesn't the Mishnah say that a Kohen can bring any korban? Why does it specify just a few types of korbanot, the birds of a zav, of a zava, of a yoledet, say any korbanot? 
Ella Rather, it must be that in general, a Kohen would be my messenger and doing me a, ben, a, a favor if I bring him a Korban Shelamim or whatever other types of Korbanot that I want to bring, he would be doing me a favor and that would be prohibited. That, uh, instead, the Mishnah only specifies these, what do they have in common? Um, that they have in common that these, these people, Azav or Zava or Yoledet, uh, they have, they are impure, uh, not for any fault of their own necessarily, it's not that they did a sin, but they're impure and they have to go through a, a purification process, waiting, mikveh, and they have to bring these korbanot in order to achieve full kapara so that they can be fully tahor, like if they want to eat kodashim. So this is simply a technicality that they have to go through. And so it's only in these cases where the Kohen is not doing me a favor, he's simply doing his job, because this is a category of mechusare kapara korbanot that will help the uh, person, the zav zava, achieve full purification. And how do we know that these are this category is different from others? In fact, taught that for all types of korbanot, um, the person bringing it has to have knowledge. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm bringing uh, korban hatat because I did something wrong, or korban toda, whatever it is, I have to know that I'm bringing it and what I'm bringing, except for mechusere kapara, there you do not need the knowledge of the one who's bringing it. What's the proof that you don't need the knowledge of the one bringing it? Because a person can bring a korban, this type of korban, for his sons or his daughters who are children. Children, right? They, um, uh, they became uh, zav and they need the korbanot. The father can bring it on their behalf. As it says, zot torat hazav, the word torah comes to include uh, others, not only for oneself, but even for others, whether they are adults or children. Now, the fact that they're children means that they don't have da'at, they don't have sufficient mindset to be to know what they're doing, that they're bringing it, but someone else can do it on their behalf. So what you see from here is that um, just as uh, this, these, this category of korbanot does not need knowledge of the one who's bringing it, it's just an automatic uh, thing. You have to just check off this box and it has to be brought. Therefore, um, this type of korban, the kohen has to do for a person because uh, he, that's his job. He has to do this, that's his job, because the person needs kapara. And therefore, even if um, I cannot have any benefit from the Kohen, he still has to bring my, uh, my Zav birds um, as part of the technicality. But if it was a different type of Korban, so you see from here that Mechusere uh, Kapara are of a different nature. You're not doing it for me. You can't be doing it on my behalf because it works even if I don't know, I don't have knowledge that you're doing it, right? That kid might be at home, have no idea that his father's bringing him bringing a korban for him, and it still works. And so, um, if, uh, or anyone else. So if it works, even though I have no knowledge, I didn't, so obviously it's not because I asked you, um, I, I appointed you, you're not my shaliach. So from Mechosera Kapara, there, you're acting on behalf of heaven. I'm getting, get benefit that I'm tahor now, but well, that's your job. You have to process this for me. Um, whereas other korbanot, that's not true. Other korbanot, I do have to have knowledge that I'm bringing this korban, um, Korban uh, Hatat that I sinned, and I'm bringing it because of that. And therefore, any other type of Korban would be 
that you are my messenger, and therefore, if I made a vow that I cannot have benefit from you, that would not be allowed. All right. So um, that's uh, so we rejected that proof, therefore, right? Because if it was really uh, so, therefore, we cannot prove from this Mishnah that across the board, uh, a Kohen is doing is acting on behalf of Shamaim. That's not true, um, it not because this Mishnah is only talking about a small subset. Fine, in that subset of Michusre Kapara, he's working on behalf of Shemaya, but in other Korbanot, not necessarily so. Okay, we have a question now about Rabbi Yochanan himself. He learned from the word Zotorat that that will include both adults and children. Zotorat um, It also says the same phrase, Zotorat, like it says with Zav, it says Yoledet. How about over there? Are you going to apply the same derasha and say ben ketana ben gedola ketana bat ledahi? But the problem is um, a yoledet, a woman who just gave birth, has to bring certain korbanot, and so you're going to say zotorat. That includes both if she's a child or an adult. But a child can a child give birth to a to a give birth to a child? Can a minor give birth? We know from another halacha that this is not allowed. I like when the rabbis are, are, are deciding uh, something about science that they don't, you know, um, uh, ask a scientist, but they look, look at to halacha itself that includes the scientific knowledge. We have this Baraita uh, that was said before Rav Nachman that says three women are permitted or even must use a contraceptive cloth that, that reabsorbs. And the three are a minor, a pregnant woman, and someone who's nursing. Now, a pregnant woman or someone who's nursing, it is dangerous for them to get pregnant. They could get pregnant. Uh, well, a pregnant woman cannot get pregnant scientifically, but they seem to think that they could get pregnant and have twins, and then there would not be enough room in the womb, and then that would harm the uh, harm the pregnancy. Or someone who is uh, nursing, who is less likely to get pregnant but could, and then that would stop the milk, and that would put the the live infant in danger. And therefore, the rabbi said uh, one should could and should use uh, contraceptive for those cases. Now, for a minor, they also said a minor should use it. Why? Because she may become pregnant and she will die. Um, It's possible for a minor to become pregnant, but it's not possible for her to give birth um, to a live, healthy baby. And therefore, since it's impossible, there would never be a case of a yoledet because a minor cannot get pregnant and give birth and therefore, she would never be a Yoledet. So Rabbi Yochanan, how are you going to interpret this verse? How are you going to apply the Zotorata Yoledet if, uh, if it cannot apply to a Ketana? And his answer is, Ahi torat, torat Yoledet ben Pikachat ben Shota. Oh, I, Rabbi Yochanan can have a similar derasha, not for a minor, but rather that the laws of bringing this Korban for a newborn mother apply both whether she is fully competent or even if she is mentally incompetent, she still would have to bring this uh, Korban. Sheken Adam Korban Alishto Shota. How would that work? The husband would bring it on her behalf. So it would be the same idea that this is someone who is Michusar Kapara, and even though she doesn't know she's bringing it, uh, nevertheless, someone can bring it on her behalf because it's within this category of, um, of sacrifices that one does not need to have knowledge that they themselves are bringing it. And how do we know that's true? Okay. 
in this Braita taught that a person brings a korban for of a rich person for his wife. There are various categories of korbanot where, uh, depending on your income level, you'd bring uh, either uh, an animal or a bird or a meal offering. Korban uh, Yoledet is one of them. A wealthy woman after childbirth brings an animal and a bird, um, whereas a poor person brings two birds. And so even if the woman herself does not, does not does not have a lot of money in her own name, but if she marries someone wealthy who can afford the animal, then um, he can bring off on her behalf um, a Korban Ashir. And, uh, and 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 any other that's true for any other korbanot that she would be obligated for. So we see from this that the husband can take care of the korbanot of his wife, who is a yoledet. And so, therefore, whether she is competent or she is mentally incapacitated, he can bring it on her behalf. And so, that's what that's what Rabbi Yochanan, that's what he will learn from this. Um, so, yes, true, it's not talking about a minor, but we'd be talking about uh, shota. And uh, we know this is true that the husband is obligated uh, for his wife's korbanot because it says in the ketubah that the responsibility to of any financial obligation that you have from now or even from before this is incumbent upon me, right? I'm going to take care of all of your financial obligations. Um, this happens a lot when, you know, so someone is in uh, graduate school and her father was paying for her and now her husband takes over the tuition bills. Okay, but this would include also the sacrificial bills that he is, uh, he takes over and he takes care of them. Okay, so we see therefore that this, um, our Mishnah, is not a proof that the Kohen is a uh, is an agent of heaven uh, for all cases, um, but it, but only for a subset of these sacrifices that um, are mechusare kapara, and so because in those cases the person can't can't be an agent because the person giving it doesn't necessarily even know that that is being brought on their behalf. Um, but uh, for any other korbanot, this is the uh, the question would still be open. Uh, for other korbanot, it may very well be that uh, it is in fact the uh, the messengership of the person bringing that korban, and therefore, if there was a vow against uh, the benefiting from the kohen, then the kohen in those cases may not be allowed to bring the korban. We're now going to challenge this conclusion that a Kohen is only is a messenger of heaven only for this Michusare Kapara. It looks like he's gonna he's actually a messenger for all types of Korbanot from the following Tosefta. Metivrav Shimi Baraba Imaya Kohen Yizrok Alav Dam Hatato Vedam Ashamo. If a person who makes a vow is a Kohen and he makes a vow that he's not going to do, have, do anything good, any benefit, give any benefit to me. And then I bring him my korban. Nevertheless, he is permitted uh, to uh, sprinkle the blood of a chatat offering or of an asham offering on my behalf. Even though he's not allowed to give me any benefit, it is still permitted. What you see from here is, assuming that this chazachatat and asham is referring to any chatat and any asham, that means for all korbanot, he's not doing it as my messenger, but rather he's doing it as a messenger of heaven. And so we see from here, from this tosefta, that the um, the conclusion that we just 
had that so no maybe only in this category of mechosedekapara uh, that's where he's a messenger from heaven but in other ones he would be my he would be a messenger of the person bringing it from here we see no he, he's a per, he's allowed to uh, uh, sprinkle the blood for any type of korban so that means for all type of korban he's a messenger from heaven right. And we answer not necessarily. No, this Tosefta may very well be talking not about any Chatat and Asham, but only the Chatat and Asham that a Mesora brings. A Mesora also is Mechusar Kapara, is lacking full atonement, lacking full amount of purity until he brings these sacrifices. And for him also, it says, and just as we learned this this word before, the generation generation means whether he is an adult or a child. And if he's a child, then that means the child is not cannot be a child cannot make a messenger. Uh, he's not doing it with his knowledge, and yet uh, yet it works. So therefore, in the case of misorah, like zav. Um, uh, like Yoledet, there, there the Kohen is acting as an agent of heaven. Uh, but this uh, does not tell us anything about the other types of sacrifices, and so we still leave the question unanswered. We're going to try one last proof. Tenan Hakohanim she pigelu b'mikdash mezidin hayavin hashogikin peturin ela shepigulan pigul. Mishnah teaches that a Kohen who makes something pigul in the mikdash, he's um, offering us a, a sacrifice. He's um, uh, uh, doing shechita or 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 taking the blood, and while he's doing that, he has in mind, I'm going to eat from the sacrifice in two days from now, outside the time. Uh, that is prohibited. Even the thought of it, even if he doesn't do it, uh, is make is prohibited, and it makes the that makes the um, that sacrifice invalid. Um, and that's a problem not only for the Kohen who violates, but also for the person that brought the Korban, because now they're going to have to bring another one. Now, if the Kohen, the, the Mishnah test says, if the Kohen does it on purpose, I, you know, I don't know why he would do this on purpose, but if he does, then the Kohen has to pay the person who, bring, who brought the Korban for the amount of the Korban, the amount of the animal. So he could bring another one. So we can derive from this Mishnah that if the Kohen did it by mistake, uh, he just made a mistake, an error in the calendar, he thought, uh, he thought it was permitted on Tuesday, he didn't realize it was Monday. And uh, so if he did it by mistake then, it is still Pigul, but he doesn't have to pay back the poor person that brought it, right? But nevertheless, the sacrifice is still no good, right? Sorry to the guy who brought it, who's going to have to pay for another one. Now, Let's, uh, how does this relate to us? If we say that this Ekohen in general is an agent of heaven, well, then that's why when he does, even though he does a bad job, messes up, makes it pigul, it still is pigul because that was he did, he was doing his job um, as a messenger from heaven, but he did a bad job, so it's pigul. That would make sense, but the other way would not. Why should it be pigul? I let's say I'm, bring, I'm the one bringing the korban, and he comes and tells me it was pigul. I could say to him, if he's really my messenger, I would say to him, I made you an agent for my benefit to do a good job. I did not make you make you an agent to mess it up, and therefore I can retroactively 
uh, undo my messengership. It's not uh, really retroactively. It's more that um, it's an implicit condition, right? I sent you to do a good job. Um, just like if I, uh, you know, make you an agent to go and sell something on my behalf and then you, uh, um, you know, you mess it up totally and you uh, sell it at the wrong price, right? So you could say that, I, that was not a valid agency. Um, so to here, um, so that that is invalid agency, and therefore, Mr. Cohen, when you had that wrong thought, you were not acting as my agent. And if you were not acting as my agent, and you did not have authority uh, to perform this sacrifice, then that improper thought that you had would not make it pigul because it's only it's only pigul if you're authorized to sacrifice this animal but since you were not authorized because i would not have made you a messenger if i knew you were going to mess it up then we then it should not be pigul so based on this we are attempting to prove um uh, that uh, that uh, all other uh, that all sacrifices are an age in all sacrifices the kohen is an agent of heaven um because if in any case it was an agent of a person then you wouldn't have a law of pigul. Okay, so that's the attempted proof that is, is in fact an agent of heaven, but we uh, reject the proof and we say, Regarding pigul, the pasuk says, it will not be counted for him. Literally, that means that the, that the sacrifice will not be valid, right? It will not count for him. If he has to bring korban chatat, he'll have to bring another korban chatat. But we also learn from this loya chashev, he cannot think of it, right? And from there we learn, mikomakom in any way. If the Kohen thinks the wrong thought, that he's going to uh, eat it at the wrong time, even if um, he did so without the consent of the owner, the, this, these words, yechashev lo mikomakom, say in any case, whether it was with the consent of the owner or without the consent of the owner, that's a stringency regarding pigul, that it becomes pigul nevertheless, um, even if he is... In general, uh, Kohen is in general a messenger of the of the person bringing it, and even if that person says, "I would never would made made him a messenger," and so it turns out he was not a messenger, nevertheless, that animal still will become pigul, and so we end up without any uh, final answer here. Although the Talmud elsewhere does say that the uh, Kohen is a messenger of heaven, and uh, we'll get back more into this uh, statement of Rabbi Yochanan on the next stuff. Baruch Adonai Amen, ve amen.